Are you enjoying this free audiobook from Scribble.com? You may not know that Scribble has much more than just free audiobooks. Audiobooks, ebooks, we're adding new titles all the time. You can skip these ads and get higher quality audio files by purchasing audiobooks on Scribble. Even better, every audiobook you buy from Scribble comes with the ebook at no additional charge. Visit us at scribble.com. That's S C R I B L dot com. Now, back to the show. Chapter 11 No wind, no waves. Chinese proverb. Carlton opened the door to his darkened home the only light coming from the den. He wondered if the drawn blinds and closed doors had been like that all day as his wife sat inside, never going out, planning her prayer group agenda. Now she was with her group in the den, filling her spiritual and emotional emptiness. It seemed to him that her Catholic roots took hold in a very positive way back when Jason was still alive. She'd taken him to be baptized and then for his first communion religious school. Then... She insisted on all the holiday masses like Easter and Christmas. Falling was at least attending mass on a monthly basis, then bi-weekly. Carlton never argued, though he'd always rather be doing something else with his Sunday mornings. It seemed to make both Joycey and Jason happy to be together at least during those times as a family. Besides, some of the others in town attended mass regularly, and it was a good way to catch up on things and maybe get together afterwards for breakfast. He picked up a picture of Jason off the entryway table. Since Jason died, Joycey's religious activities were much more somber. Less light like a Sunday morning. They were always depressing being involved with other people's deaths or sickness. She never attended the Sunday school lectures for the children or helped plan the weddings or services that to Carlton seemed to be happy occasions. She focused on the small prayer group she started with a few women in town and the priest, Father Frank. The familiar voices came from the den, There was the group discussing church matters. Father Frank's deep, shaky voice cutting above the rest. Joycey seemed happy when she was with them, but Carlton felt uncomfortable when they were around. It was like he could never understand them, and they definitely didn't understand him or his problems. Let's pray together for the end of this rain, Father Frank said. He sounded like he needed to clear his throat. 
There was a general mumbling and creaking of the floor as Colton heard them get into position in a circle, holding hands. Lord, Father, please show us the way, Joycey began, leading the prayer. We have had rain for many weeks here in Canyon Park, and your people are suffering. We know that your might and wisdom are very great, and that you must have a reason for this constant bad weather. But we children of yours need your intervention. There is great despair among us. If your anger is directed towards others, please spare us who follow the ways of Jesus Christ our Savior, and your only Son, who you gave to us. Amen. Amen, whispered the group. Carlton snuck past the open arch in the den, barely getting by when he heard the father's voice calling him back. You got me, father, Carlton said, raising his hands in mock surrender. I didn't want to interrupt. Father Frank's smile went wide, showing yellowed, crooked teeth. Nonsense, Carl, sit down. We were just praying about the rain. Do you have anything to add? Carlton felt his wife's glare. She hated when he sat down during one of their prayer meetings. She'd always ream him out over something sarcastic or insensitive he'd say to the priest. He had enough on his mind now without starting another fight with Joyce. He tried to be kind. We can use all the help we can get, Father. What's new? What do the police think of all this rain? Mrs. O'Hara asked. She was a widow, a dour one at that, the usual type of person that Joyce associated with. I just heard today that all the bridges on the White River are washed out. There were gasps and hushed comments like, How are we going to get out? And, We're trapped. We can't. Father Frank sat there, taking in all the comments silently. I guess there is a plan from God here. We are together in this. Like the Ark and Noah, we are cut off from the world as it flood. Whatever it is that God has planned for us, he will reveal in time. All we can do is pray and wait. It was a much different response than Carlton expected. Some people blame the Indian reservation for this rain. He looked at Joyce, who stared back at him, empty of expression. Did she forget it was her words, he echoed? What do you think, Father? Did they curse us in the eyes of God? He was definitely going to hear it from Joyce later, but he didn't care. He had to know the prevailing opinion of the town. Father Frank stayed silent again for a long time. He contemplated his response for so long that Carlton began to feel uncomfortable. Joyce and the others must have felt that the priest was frowning down on him, silently berating him for the question. No, he finally said. God loves all his children, and he promised that he would never destroy us again for our sins. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He has no need to destroy us. We all come to God through Jesus. There are many ways to worship God, and many of the Indians come to church every Sunday. Some have deep problems. They drink and they are doing drugs, but most have good hearts. All they want to do is live like they did in the past and to serve Jesus in the only way they know how. I don't believe that this is God's doing. Then who? Carlton asked, truly interested now. I don't know, and that will be the focus of our next prayer group. Thank you. You have just provided this prayer group with a direction for its meditations. Will you join us for one last prayer? I insist. You look tired, Carl. It'll do you some good. Carlton glanced around at the faces in his den. Everyone, even Joycey, looked inviting. Stand up. Good. Hold hands, everyone. Dear Lord, let our prayers be a glory to your holy name, and may they be a blessing to you. We pray tonight for a sign. Please show us the steps we must take to heal this town of its plight of rain. Together they recited a prayer. 
Colton tried to follow, but he didn't know the words. Lord, Lord be an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me show love. love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Carlton let go of the hands he was holding, except Joyce wouldn't let go. He looked at her and she smiled at him. There was not going to be an argument. He knew that and he'd rather keep it that way. I need to go, Father Frank said. Thank you for hosting the prayer group tonight. May, will you drive me home? The little old woman named May nodded to him, another widow. He knew May's husband, Harry, for many years as a death sergeant in the station house. The guy worked until the day he died of a stroke. He must have been in his 70s and that was 10 years ago. Not only was she old, but May looked all of four feet tall. Carlton was surprised that she could still drive. I'm worried. The rain's getting worse and the roads are flooding, Carlton said as they all got into their raincoats and hats. Can I drive you home? No, no, Father Frank said. We're not far from here at all. You sure? I don't mind. We're fine. We're fine. We take the main roads. It's only a mile away, May said. Carlton doubted it was smart to let them leave. But he knew all of them, and they did live no more than a mile or so away. Father Frank was the closest. The church was only a few blocks away. Everyone shuffled out into the rain and he was alone with Joyce. He gave her a thin smile. She looked at him long with a tight mouth making a thin line across her face. He was sure he hadn't said anything wrong between the end of the prayer and when everyone left the house. She looked at him over the exact way that Father Frank had a few minutes before. How was your day? she asked. Fine, he said and began unbuttoning his shirt. With Joyce, he never knew what would set her off, so he tried to stay away from every topic, especially after this morning in the diner. Seems like there's a lot going on out there, she said, with the rain. Well, the White River Bridge washed out this afternoon, so there's no way out of the valley except on foot if you could find a way, he said. She shook her head and walked away to the kitchen. Carlton put his shirt on the hook over his wet coat. He hadn't noticed until then his shirt was wet and his t-shirt underneath was also soaked. He began to shiver. Coffee? Joyce called from the kitchen. She always offered coffee after he had come home lately, knowing he would need to warm up. There were still those little moments of affection between them, despite the tension. Sure, he called back. He went upstairs, passing the many photos of Jason on the wall. He changed into a dry sweatshirt and shorts. Downstairs, he found the coffee waiting for him on the dining room table. Did you eat? Joyce asked. He had eaten with Ralph on the way back to his office, and he told her. She nodded silently and sipped at her coffee. So what are we going to do, she asked. He knew she meant about the bridges. I don't know, Joyce. We've contacted the guys in Syracuse. They think that if it lasts any longer, we'll try to get the National Guard in here or the Army Corps of Engineers to try to repair the bridge. I don't know how they're going to do that with all the water running in the river. It's terrible. You can't build on that. So how do we get out? Boats, he said with a chuckle. I don't know. Are we safe here? Her voice cracked a little. Her eyes dotted to the cross over the doorway to the kitchen. He knew she wanted to pray, but she resisted imposing it on him. 
put his hand over hers. Her hands were bony and thin, just like Ann Lalo's. He always thought of Ann as an old lady, and now his wife was quickly approaching that status. He along with her. They were alone in that house, dark all the time, especially since the rain started. She was always lonely when he was away from home without her son. Though he'd have been a man by now, to her, he was always a little boy. It'll be all right, Joycey, he said. What's going to happen to us, she said, through tears rolling onto their clenched hands. I'm afraid that we're suffering for what happened with that family. It's not that, Joycey. God's not punishing you. It's me he wants anyway. She managed a weak smile. Don't say that, Carl. Don't say that. He patted her hand. So, he began to tell her about his day, but decided against it. She hadn't heard a full report about what he did at work for years. She just couldn't handle it. Everything was a portent of doom for her. What? she asked. A little of the old knowing spark was in her eyes. He remembered how she was so smart and eager to learn when they met. She was a student at the college studying to be a nurse. Before she went cuckoo, she'd enjoy it when Ralph came over to talk about the cadavers and autopsies. Now Ralph asks how she's feeling and nods his head when she goes into her biblical rants. Ralph was not one for scripture. I had lunch with Ralph and the mayor today, he said. Oh, how is Ralph, she said, as if he were a stranger long lost to her. He's good. Still on those funny cigarettes? She laughed. He isn't doing that still, is he? No, he's clean. He only drinks wine now. She looked shocked. Not during lunch. Did you drink today, Carl? No. Did you visit Jason? He shook his head. He misses you, Carl. A boy needs his father. He's gone, Joycey. He's gone. Carlton felt the tears brim to the surface. He doesn't need me anymore. She smiled at him as if he were the one who was fooling himself. He still needs you, Carl. Boy always needs his father. You have to visit him, okay? All right, I'll try to make it tomorrow. Work is busy with the rain. And these killings. Awful stuff, these killings. It's the devil. Maybe even the Indians' fault. It's not the Indians, Joycey. Now stop saying that. You know how I hate it when you... Just because they said it's their fault doesn't make it wrong, Carl. Something can be their fault. They aren't all innocent, you know. They're just like everyone else, and they go wrong, too. Us white people aren't the only ones who do bad things. I wasn't saying that. Yes, you were, Carl, she said. She tried to pull her hand away, but he held it tighter. Let go of me, Carl. She managed to pull away. I don't hate them, Carl. I could care less what they do. It doesn't affect me. Wouldn't bring back my Jason if I do hate. That's what Father Frank thinks. He says that we did those Indians wrong years ago. He knows what those Lalos did to them. Father Frank wasn't involved. He just came here ten years ago. I had to tell him what the other priests did to the Indian boys. You know what he did when he heard? He cried. He cried because now he knows that they will never trust us again. We wronged them many times over, and now they might be turning against us. Maybe it's for the best. Let them take back their land. I'll leave. I'll go. Nothing is going to bring Jason back to me. So let me be in peace with him. Let me pray, Carl. It's the only thing I have left. It's the only way I have to communicate with him. I feel him when I pray. You should try it. You might learn something. He stayed silent. He hadn't heard her so angry in a long time. I'm sorry, he managed to say. It was too late. She was sobbing into her hands. Carl suddenly felt very cold. Carl, she wept. I'm here, Joycey. He wrapped his arms around her as she shuddered with crying. Soon she slowed and went quiet. 
He held tight out of loneliness more than comfort. He never noticed how alone they were together in that house since Jason died all those years ago. Something in the killing sparked his memories. There were so many years of calluses built up between them. He realized she didn't blame him at all for Jason's death. She never blamed the Indians either. He was the one who blamed everyone else. He blamed everyone else but himself. He had said it before. God blamed him. It was the core of how he dealt with the problem. He never allowed himself to feel guilty for what he had done to Ted and Helen. It was the first thing he did when he became a cop. The Lalos wanted something covered up, and that was all that mattered in Canyon Park. He leaned back, letting go of her. He sipped his coffee. They sat in silence until they tired and went up to bed. by Lon S. Cohen. To find out more, please visit www.coincide.blogspot.com. This patio book is a production of Zilco Studios. (laughs) (laughs) This production is a production.